previously on Transformers Chronicles. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 19 and the debut of Omega Supreme. I don't see why we had to all go along on a snack run this time. Because the last time, Pat wandered onto the space bridge and was gone for two episodes. I did? That doesn't sound like me. And then when I got back, you tricked me and I didn't get any chips. That sounds more like me. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Anyway, turn in here. This is that taco place Pat was talking about. Holy, this place is huge. Who do they got working here? What was the name of this place again? Not sure. The first part of the sign is out. Something supreme. Oh, here we are. Welcome to Omega Supreme. I am the last equation in your situation. Can I interest you in our potato olays? Wow. What is happening? I'll have a number three with a Diet Coke and two number fours. I am the taker of your order, the number you cannot compute. But my terminal has computed it for me. Your total is 1849. Would you like any hot or mild sauce? How hot is them hot sauce? The temperature you cannot reach. Uh, assuming we all survive, we bring you the first appearance of Omega Supreme and what could be the last appearance of a bunch of Decepticons on Transformers Chronicles, the Marvel Years. Transformers Chronicles, the Marvel Years. Hello everybody and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, aka The Dark Web. In case you're new to the show, welcome. And please let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going on a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics to Transformers. But I will not be going about it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions. First up, a man who, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until now. And he wants to see what all the fuss is about with these robots in disguise. The founder of the Longbox Crusade, Pat Sampson a.k.a. DJ Christatos. What's going on, Pat? Uh, hello, Devin. It's great to be back again talking some Transformers with you guys. Right? Has anything crazy happened uh, since we talked last? No, not too much. I did receive this kind of odd-shaped train track recently. Hmm. It goes in a circle. And it's really big, too. Supposed to put it outside the house. Supposed to protect me. Based on this issue... I think that'd be a pretty good idea. I would probably do that. Should I wait for Christmas to put it out? Like a Santa Claus or something? Or No, security is paramount, Pat. You should oh. put it out now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Also, you know, people like to keep up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think people think it's pretty cool to see some railroad tracks and a big rocket in mm -hmm. front of your house. Yep, so, I like putting up my rocket in front of the house. Okay. Uh, I will not ask any further questions about that, but I will... Talk about our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Mary with Comics. Hi, Maggie, the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. John, what's going on, man? Hey, Delvin. Uh, not too much. It's a lot of the same old, same old, no major transformations or anything. The cat is here tonight. Um, he's a big fan of Omega Supreme, so <laughs> Gatsby may occasionally hear him. And the best thing about that train track with the rocket around your house, Pat, is that if you get on the rocket and fly it somewhere... It still can transform into a robot, even though two-thirds of it is still back on Earth. Oh, cool. I did not know that. Yeah. It's, that's good to know. It is. Since, uh, since I'm Robot oh, Master. Oh, true. 
So you still got the goggles and the cape on. That's good. Oh, of course. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> Am I, whoa, am I not supposed to wear it anymore? No, no. Hey, you do you, man. Right. We yeah. can't tell you what to do. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll unleash that army of robots on us. Exactly. How about you, Delvin? Any um, major transformations in your life to report? No, uh, not too much. It's been, thankfully, pretty quiet here in lovely Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I am debating uh, possibly moving, but you know, those are in the conceptual phases now because you know you have to think about the idea and then since you're married you have to sell the idea to the boss of the house (laughs) so i got to do that and then there's you know question 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 world domination so it was going to take a little bit of time but thinking about possibly moving uh, but as for now uh, everything's about the same and i can't complain about that because things are pretty good all right well The purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end all the way at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and see how these books that we loved as a kid hold up to our our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, gentlemen... Let's talk about the introduction of Omega Supreme right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hi, I'm one of the high priests of Conchu Ray, and I have the sacred privilege of providing you, the loony listener, with a podcast honoring Marvel's very own Moon Knight. So join me and a host of others at Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or support the show by becoming a Patreon member. Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. It's time to get your conchu on. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 19. And here's John with the cover description. Optimus Prime points at us from the cover box below the Marvel 25th anniversary logo. And I was just reminded earlier today, at, at the same time, uh, Superman had celebrated his 50th birthday of the same year. And there's a lot of publicity before, around it. And so at the same time, you'd see DC 50 and then Marvel 25th. And I always thought it was weird that Marvel was bragging about what seemed a much less time to me as a 12 year old. It was like they were saying, look, we've also been around for a number. <laughs> The Marvel 25th is in orange-red, as is the Autobot symbol, next to a purple-colored Transformers logo. Uh, The More Than Meets the Eye uh, logo is in black. Text tells us that we have asked for him, and now we've got him, Omega Supreme. And in case we thought that that was lying, uh, below this we see a Herb Trimpey-drawn scene featuring the aforementioned Omega Supreme, and he's not here for idle chit-chat. He towers over a group of Decepticons grabbing Starscream jet mode out of the air and beginning to crumple him like an empty soda can with his claw and taking a missile shot from Thundercracker with no apparent effect. Behind them, Skywarp and Frenzy look on in horror as his gun hand blasts, who I assume is Rumble, but the coloring makes it hard to tell. Uh, The background is either not colored in or is meant to be a very cloudy day. Um, Minor flaws aside, I dig this cover a lot. It promises one heck of an action seat inside and... Well, spoiler alert, we're going to get one. 
The robots are nicely drawn and proportioned, and the color issues are not too egregious. What did you think of it, Pat? I think your cover description is is kind of spot on there. Um, that white background is is kind of throwing me off. But then again, with all the other colors they got kind of going on here, the Transformers logo being purple and then the red uh, Autobot or Transformers head um, up in the top there too, and then just all the kind of action that's going on below. I can kind of see why they kept it white just because of that. Or maybe it, maybe it was just because so, there's so much going on that that would have taken away what was happening in the front, you know, with Omega Supreme so huge, and then you have all the other figures, the other Decepticons, just really smaller looking. So it, there, just a sense of size here that that I like. But how about you, Devin? We won out Omega Supreme. We got him. I'm reminded of um, how we were taught the brief when we were in the or when I was in the Air Force. It's you tell them what you're going to tell them. You tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. And so in the case of this cover, you want an Omega Supreme, you got Omega Supreme. Here is Omega Supreme smashing some robots. And, hey, you could have put some trees or maybe a picture of the Ark in the background, but no one's looking at the Ark. No, they're looking at Omega Supreme kick some butt. And I'm happy with the simplicity of the cover. Uh, maybe it might not be wall-worthy, but at time, though, if – People were writing in demanding Omega Supreme, and then you go to the comic book store or you go to the uh, grocery store because, oh, man, they sell comics at the grocery store. (laughs) 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 Newsstands. (laughs) But anyway, so you go and you see Omega Supreme. You're like, oh, freaking cool. I'm buying this. So I I do like the cover. It may not be the most flashy cover, but it absolutely is Omega Supreme. Now, has anybody been reading the letter pages or anything? Were they really asking for it? or I haven't been reading it on this reread, but I do remember, at least in the one previous to this, they made a point of having a, a couple of them letters that said, uh, it was Omega Supreme, and it said, well, guess maybe you should hang around for next issue. Uh, <laughs> and if they are doing, hey, we can't print every letter, but we're going to print something that's representative of what the fan base is asking for. I'm going to assume a decent amount of people were asking for. Sure. Sure. He, I mean, he was really popular. The cartoon had been out already for, it was well into season two by this point, And he was featured rather prominently in a number of them. People loved him. His toy was way cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah I think I know somebody who has one. I do. It's me. I have Omega Supreme. I should have brought. I should have brought Omega out. And, yeah, you should have brought him out. And show you. Oh, yeah. I, I blame you being tired for it. But you know, let's move on, Jets. Well, you've heard our thoughts, so time to rate it. If you don't know, on Transformers Chronicles, we rate things on a scale of one to ten, just like the tech specs on the toys. One is the lowest, and ten is the highest. John, what would you rate this cover? I was gonna give it a seven. But I think I'm going to bump it up to an eight. I actually agree with you that the lack of background is not a detriment because I think anything else would have taken away from a lot of stuff is happening here, but it's happening really smoothly. That's a bonus. So an eight from me. Nice. Pat, what would you rate it? Well, one thing I forgot to mention on this is the detail that's done, the line work on this, just because, you know, it's robots and there's a lot of sharp edges and lines in here. It is really done nicely. The detail on it, I really like. So with that being said, I'm really not getting a good feel on it. 
like you guys are probably for the nostalgia that you probably have for Omega Supreme and, mm-hmm. and that. So I'm going to give this a six. Okay. I really, but I really like the line work, you know, especially around Omega Supreme and that. So take it from a big guy who is practicing a martial art. Sometimes it's hard to show a big guy in action because, you, you know, there, there's some stuff going on, but you, you can't tell it because and with Omega Supreme, he's so big. It's hard to show him in some awesome, cool pose, but I think Herb Trimpey did what he could. Uh, I I don't want John to be alone. I'm going to go eight two. I was thinking seven, but I, I bumped it. I'll bump it up to an eight as well because again, you can't complain if they are bringing the new cool robots to the comic book. Sure, you know right. so I'm I'm pleased with that. I think something that would have made it really cool is somehow. If they could have put Megatron on the cover. Yeah. Oh, just to see that. Yeah, good. Like it, Megatron on the cover, it's very much like, say, Spider-Man and uh, having Green Goblin on the cover. It's like, ooh, it's about to go down. It would have been nice to see Megatron on the cover, too, because Megatron did participate in the big mm-hmm. fight. Now, here's Pat with the credits for the issue. Well, Delvin, I am glad you asked. We're looking at Transformers number 19. Its on-sale date was May 13th, 1986. Its cover date was August of 1986. Story was by Bob Budiansky. Pencils by Don Perlin. Inks by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Colors go to Neil Yamtov. Letters is Janice Chang. And editor is Mike Carlin. It was reprinted in Transformer Comics Magazine number 10 in 1988 and in the IDW Transformers Classic Volume 2, plus some other places out there. So go out and find it. This is all brought to you by Mike's Amazing World and TF Wiki Info. That was an awesome read, Pat. And now it is synopsis time. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was Command Performances. Instead of the normal synopsis, let's talk about leaders for this issue. We will start with the freedom is the right of all sentient beings guy, Optimus Prime. Prime gave Grappler all the credit for devising the newest Autobot to the foe, Omega Supreme, to defend the Ark. But he was worried because he knew the Decepticons had acquired combiner technology, which allowed them to merge robots into one giant robot, such as the six Constructicons into Devastate. As such, Optimus launched a plan with contingencies, but at the same time it was a single-minded plan to attack the Decepticon base bait them into forming Devastator, and have Bumblebee steal the tech that was needed for the combiner technology, then return to the Ark. While successful in this plan, it ultimately cost him a comrade in Skids, who was taken out by Ravage. Megatron, the everything is fodder guy, was tired of sitting in a coal mine basin in eastern Wyoming. He got a posse of mostly seeker planes and set off for the space bridge to pick up what they assumed to be Decepticons as they had coordinated with Straxus last issue. 
Instead, Autobots with their Megatron, not willing to let a gift robo-horse in the mouth, is set to attack when he's informed by Shockwave the Autobots have attacked the Decepticon base. Megatron instead diverts to the Ark, which he assumes is vulnerable to attack. This leads to a complete and total beatdown by Omega Supreme, a loss of six of his people, and Megatron having to rally mightily to explain to the rest of the team about the massive L he took. Shockwave, the clarity of thought before rashness of action guy, built up the Decepticon base's fortifications. While it did hold the Autobots off, unbeknownst to Shockwave, he allowed Optimus Prime to gain access to Combiner Tech. Robot Master, aka Donnie Finkelberg, also escaped, costing the Decepticons a public perception advantage. Shockwave also conceded that his inaction wasn't as decisive as Megatron's very decisive action, even if Megatron failed in that action. Three leaders, but much more to talk about. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comic, starting with, but not limited to, the goods and the bads, everything in between, and then everyone discusses. Let's start with Pat. All right, so this issue was, for me, kind of different. There was some good action in here. I like Optimus's plan and how he was kind of planning it through, along with making sure that he was, Hey, skids, buddy. Don't worry, I'm never going to leave you behind. You're all right. Spoiler alert. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you left him behind. When you need the narrator from Arrested Development. I'll never leave you behind. He would. Later in this issue. Three minutes later. Oh, I gotta go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> but it was kind of interesting. And the way you put it that way, Delvin, with the three different leadership going on, that was, I guess that was something that was really happening in the background that I was kind of seeing, but really couldn't pull it forward like you did. So I really appreciate your synopsis on it to pull that, too, out. that was really great. Awesome. Because um, I was going to mention too, with shockwave trying to be shockwave, a shocker, <laughs> trying to take it over and, oh, uh, well, you just wait until you screw up and then I'm going to take it over and la da 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 because I'm Shockwave and I'm all that. I tell you what, Megatron's easy to dislike because he's, right, so far the big baddie. Other distracts us, but spare me the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Megatron and man, he took a whooping and he wanted action and failed miserably, but his vocal skills is improv on that completely saved his hide. And that yeah. was a very impressive thing that he did. I was really impressed. That We call that a rolling a 20 on a charisma check right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely was. I was like, well, how's he going to get out of this one? He'd come back there with his tail between his legs there, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. And so it lends the question, was Shockwave right to sit there. Mm-hmm. Up until right now, thinking about it in this moment, you know, in this way, I would have said that Shockwave was completely wrong, you know, in handing it over to Megatron. But now looking at this, this is a great breakdown of it's a great, you know, case study in each one of their leadership styles. Prime will work out an elaborate plan that he will try to work out to every detail, but he will insist on no casualties. You know, preserving life, that is paramount to him. And then he'll make some weird decision at the end that doesn't seem to make any sense to humans. Yeah, I, I, I do want let, let's talk about that now. Yeah, 
Prime, very, very focused in this issue. Mm-hmm. He saw that there was a need that the Autobots uh, had to cover down on, which was the combiner tech. I do get that. I get that he was singularly focused towards getting that, but I did not get him leaving skids behind. That was pretty dumb. I, I want to go into that. On, I think we can talk about that on its own. For the point of the three leaders, just to, before I f- forget that point, um, Megatron is the attack! Yep. And what he does, he throws everything at it. Shockwave is the calculating all eventuality. Mm-hmm. I think you could read this as when Megatron says, I don't know what the Autobots, Autobots were here to get, but I'm sure they got it. I think Shockwave in that one panel, and it's a great use of silent of a silent panel, showing Shockwave just sitting there thinking. Mm-hmm. You know that Shockwave is calculating more things than you know you could ever possibly think of in that period of time. Yeah. I think he figured out exactly what the Autobots got mm. and realized that uh, that is a failure of me as a leader. Therefore, Megatron, you know, for all his flaws, is the logical decision at least until I work that out. We go back to the, or I go back to the Kirk Spock thing. The smartest person isn't always the best leader. Generally never. And for whatever reason, when you get so smart and everything becomes about the calculations, you forget about uh, that human equation. Okay. I'm talking about humans. Maybe I should talk about robots here. So like you forget about that robot equation. And I think shockwave kind of got so into, well, my plan is awesome and my fortifications are here. All right, let me just get Devastator up and at him. Like he, that he forgot that, okay, why in the heck are the Autobots attacking us now when they, they are not the robots who do the attacking? That's decept, it, it, it is a Decepticon thing for Megatron to say the arc's undefended. Uh, let's go exploding. But. Autobots are the more measured. Let's only attack, and they're not the aggressor. They are not the aggressor. So Megatron, rather than Shockwave, was figured out. Wait a minute, they're they're acting this way. Something's up with that. So in that way, Megatron winds up being the better leader, even though he got rid of you know about six of his people got taken out. Now to be fair, one of them was Starscream, you know, which was a useful person to get rid of at any given time. That's true. Every that's a one out of the. One out of the two that are after him right now. Oh yeah, and or three. Well, I should yeah, say. can't can't really be after him if you're in cold storage, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be back though. It's Starscream, right? Megatron has fallen. I, Starscream, am now your leader. Decepticons, follow me. We, I assume he better yeah. be. As a kid, I was like, yeah, Starscream's in it again. And then he was colored horribly, so I wasn't able to tell which one of them he was when he got shot. And then you don't see him again for 25 issues or whatever. For all intents and purposes, I thought he was killed off in this one. I swear, on on Twitter, or maybe Facebook, I need to find Nell Young Top. <laughs> <laughs> and, and invite him to listen to the show and then just set up like... Uh, more Povich styles, like John. We got a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I go. No, nice to meet you. Hold on while I get out this itemized list. <laughs> yeah, pulls out an encyclopedia. Okay, in issue one, <laughs> page right. two, panel five. All right, let's. What were you thinking? Our is clearly covered, colored with purple, and in the next one, it is a slight magenta at best. In panel right. two. Let's let's talk about skids. It's a good yeah. time. 
Skids, Bob did a good job in bringing him up. Skids was the one that was doubtful of Optimus Prime's plan, but then flighty and barely paying attention to what was going on in the plan and kind of a bit, a, a bit of a victim of bad luck. Ravage did a good sneak attack there. Absolutely. I don't think that Skids could have done anything to stop it, but throughout the book, Skids was featured. Yeah. And we're, we're about to find out why next issue, but, and you know, that Pat okay, was bringing, excuse me, that Bob was bringing him about for, for his own purposes, but I wasn't crazy about Skids. You yeah, know, I Skids, wasn't either. Skids is um, his new blaster for this, you know, whereas he went from rat, you know, Bob takes turns with the characters okay. and he has kind of the same sort of thing going on with them. Like he had ratchet at first where they have to all go. And then it was blaster. And now it's going to be skids for a few issues. Okay. And they generally all have to go for the thing where the first time you meet them or when they're first in the midst of it, they're either, you know, hesitant or they're doing something wrong. So they have to go through it, but See, it like is not an identical. Yeah. Cause but, I was going to say, cause I like the way blaster was done. I'm not mm-hmm. really digging the way Skids is in this one, but I'm, you know, it's a different character, so yep, I'm going to give it that. Yep, different character, different personality. I absolutely loved how Blaster was introduced in issue yeah. 17, that he was a reluctant hero, but a completely capable hero, and he was one who would sacrifice the entire mission to make sure that one life was saved, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, Optimus Prime... One life was sacrificed, but they absolutely did achieve the goal of getting that combiner tech. So he kind of went the opposite way that Blaster had in the last two issues. Yeah, I noticed that, especially reading it as quickly after those last couple and discussing as we did, this was this was an example of an Autobot plan carried out the way it's supposed to, where people follow the orders that they're given and do the things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Skids didn't get taken out because of any you know, thing he did wrong or anything that I'm yeah. did wrong. It yeah. was just humans that, which is nice because the, we, as we've been following this narrative, Optimus is not very good with humans. He really, he's hasn't spent too much time with them. I mean, the mm-hmm. only humans he spent any time with was Sparkplug and, and Buster and Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> that doesn't count. Right. Like, that didn't happen, right? Uh, but then he was ahead for most of it. True. You know, so he's, I don't think he quite gets us. Maybe that's why he decided to ditch skids at that, because it was so weird from his perspective. This person, why would you do that to your Lamborghini? Well, I, I can see that they had to get Bumblebee back with whatever he, with, with the info that he's got. Yeah. And you got to protect him on your way back. You don't know if the Decepticons were going to come after them. Jetfire's in the air. Yeah. He's, he's, he's in the air. Just all he does is another example again of Jetfire just showing up and flying by. It's Jetfire. And then we don't see him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, go ahead, Pat. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you're right. He kind of flew in, did, did a little bang, bang. And then you see him at the end standing there with everybody else at the end of the issue. A part of me wants to be angry at Optimus Prime. I, again, equating it to military stuff. In general, we don't leave anyone behind. At least that's an American thing. We don't leave behind the fallen. That said, that's usually the decisions that's made by the people kind of at that lower level. Optimus Prime is the equivalent of a general. And generals make decisions that are at that such, is such a high level that it 
if you lost one life, it's like, yep, that was tragic, but we did accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn. That's a good way to say it. I love me some Prime. I just was not necessarily a fan. He did everything he could to protect life. He did. Um, which, by the way, is how I think he views humans at this point. He doesn't necessarily have an allyship with humans yet, but Your he life. views humans as a weaker life form, and therefore he must protect them at all costs. I want to bring up something as well, because when I was doing the synopsis, I couldn't remember what Shockwave's tagline was. And so I had to look it up. And so I believe I got this info from TF, uh, uh, TF Wiki. And one of the last things that it says on Shockwave's uh, tech specs is often confounded by initiative, emotional thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm. Think Bob had something to do with that, maybe? And did he portray it excellently in this book? Absolutely. This comic book is really, well, until the later IDW stuff, I guess, a little bit, but this was really the perfect depiction of Shockwave's tech specs. On the regular cartoon, he's pretty much just a loyal, he's loyal to Megatron. He's not doing any sort of machinations or... He's the Dr. Mindbender for... Right. He just stands around and watches the monitor from Cybertron and gets shot. (laughs) (laughs) There's one more thing I want to talk about, and of course we'll let you gentlemen bring up anything that you want to. The only other thing I want to talk about is the Omega Supreme fight himself. <laughs> I, I just want to say that he kicked butt and that was worth talking about because man, if he ever was to make an impressive debut, whew, he made it. I, I like how they put it in the story. Hey, this is something Optimus has been working on since issue 14, you know, yeah. the seeds and kind of pulled that, you know, came to fruition here with it. And, Man, I mean, when you see him, he is like a, he's a big guy. He's a big robot. I'm like, okay, well, you're just going to have this big robot sitting in front of your, you know, can he get in the ark? Is there enough room in the ark? Does he have to bend down and just go, hey, guys. (laughs) You know, is is he like Clifford the Big Red Dog? Dude, I was just about to say Clifford. (laughs) He's quite Clifford. You give him like a big freaking dog house, he can't go into the house. He'll knock over everything. On this, because I just happen to have it on the page, it might be at a slight angle, but Omega a Megatron, who they have said is 30 feet tall or so. Something like that. He comes up to Omega Supreme's what would be his knee. Um, looking at the same panel you are. Yeah, on content picture 16. And so that is a gigantic robot, probably somewhere in the 90 foot range. I want to say Megatron's like 18 feet tall, but still. That's oh, okay. That. Of course. How tall is the Devastator when he's put together? Or- I think they're roughly about the same because let's see how big he is. That fight itself was great. I did love seeing Prime shooting the when he pick, Devastator picks up the rock and then Prime shoots it out of him. And he's yep. Mm-hmm. Him. yep, that was very uh very tactful thing. Like, yeah, he's strong enough, but... <laughs> like he's standing up shockwaves at about devastator's knee too so i'd say they're almost identically sized devastator and omega supreme i don't think we see devastator and omega supreme fight do we john not in the comic book we don't know we don't we don't really see much of omega supreme after here he's in it a lot and he talks but you don't really get to see him fight anymore that's basically because if they did he'd probably win the war and 
<laughs> in a couple of issues. Yeah. Ah, well, yeah, we got to keep this book going. We got 61 more uh, issues to talk about. What I, another thing that I found interesting and interested on where it's going to go is with the Dinobots. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because they're like, oh, you know, you tell us to fight and you're not to fight. And what's going on? Ha, ha, ha. Me, Dinobot, I don't understand. And then they walk off. They're like, we're not going to help you. Prime doesn't go after him because he's like, okay, well, whatever. You know, you guys are going to do what you're going to do. Let's talk about leaders. Grimlock is the leader of the Dinobots. Yeah. That is an established fact. And Optimus Prime is the leader of the Autobots, period. And Prime's more of a thinker. I love on, and we haven't gotten to the stories about Grimlock because he's, we're going to be seeing a decent amount about him in the upcoming issues. Okay. But I always like that Grimlock, he's always me, Grimlock, and sounds like simple. But when you look at his tech specs, his intelligence is a seven. It's a seven. Mm. Yeah. He's, this is, okay. he's not dumb. Right. We, this is the beginning of what I, I call the Captain Cavemanning of him. See, before he spoke, he's talked before in, in earlier issues, and he was just spoke like a relatively intelligent Autobot. Now, in this one, he's starting to leave words out and things. As it goes on, he will slowly get a little dumber sounding until he's finally me, Grimlock. Mm. But yeah, so they do a lot of things, both to try to, they do their best to make, eventually, to make the comics and the cartoons mesh together a lot. Oh, I don't, okay. They got that from Hasbro down. But I mean, Grimlock is even though he does talk like that, Delvin, you're you're absolutely right. It has a seven, and he is usually um, depicted as a, a sharp enough guy. He's not mm-hmm. a smart prime, but he's not he's not a bonehead. And we can compare Grimlock and Optimus Prime in a sense to Shockwave and Megatron. Yeah, that if Grimlock had his way, it would be find the Decepticons, smash the Decepticons. Mm-hmm. Never stop smashing the Decepticons. Rinse, repeat. That's his plan. And guess what? Is it a bad one? Depends. You know, if you are very cold and calculating and want to get the job done, you'd say, hey, Grimlock is the one that I want. But if you want someone that's going to make sure that no human life gets uh, uh, gets lost along the way and you make sure that there's going to be as few Autobot casualties as possible, yeah then you're going to go Optimus Prime's way. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. His, uh, he did, his plan did account for the Dinobots wandering out off, as he said, but his plan didn't account to be able to um, risk saving skids. So he can't save the one dude, but he's okay with leaving a bunch of dinosaur robots wandering around. <laughs> yeah. But at that, at, I it looked like Optimus Prime was like, look, I know I'm not going to be able to control them. So yeah. if I'm not going to control them. Yeah. All right, whatever. And I, I love his like, the, yeah, them leaving changes nothing. I never even considered him a part of the team, uh, for better or for worse. But yeah, I'm kind of confused about why they're here. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, Grimlock is someone to watch. We, we definitely got someone to watch in Grimlock, and I will just leave it at that. Guys, do you have anything else that you want to add? Well, I'm, uh, my other interest is what are they going to do with the technology that they have now? And I'm trying to remember what other combiner are out there. Hmm. And I know Insecticons are the Decepticon side. Mm-hmm. But they don't combine. Oh, yeah, they don't. Mm-mm. 
I can't right at this moment. I'm trying. I I was trying to think about. I'm like, what other combiners are out there that I? So if you if you were writing a letter in to transform, <laughs> this is great. I, I, if I get to use for issue to, for episode twenty one, right? It's coming. <laughs> okay. You you will get to see the fruits of Optimus Prime's labors and why he wanted that combiner technology so badly. It's time for us to talk about who had the touch. When we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, Autobot, Decepticon, or Human? You got the touch! You got the power! Yeah! John, go for it. Who had the touch? Um, just kind of shy away from the people we've already mentioned so far. I am going to go with Donnie Finkelberg, mm. who managed to, um, best of a horrid situation to find himself in, manages to uh, take the opportunity and, and slip away, which involved climbing up the outside of the gravel pit and scurrying yeah. over the edge while there were laser blasts and many Autobots everywhere. He almost did it, too, but Ravage has been really bored, and he's going <laughs> to go. All right, I get to chase this human around for a while. You think he like Ravage is just like okay? I'm gonna let him go a little bit, take a few more steps. I'm pretty sure that that's exactly what happened. A little bit more, and just Ravage is guarding him the whole time, and he's like, "Oh, he's gonna go? Oh, it's not like I can't track him literally anywhere." Go on, my little mouse. Yeah, I'll get you. And maybe he does. Pat, who had that? I like this. I like this. The uh, this more building that's going on again. There, 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 there's definitely building that is. Verified, and I, I'm I'm very excited for you to read these uh, next cu- upcoming issues. Bob is Bob's done a masterful job. It just I love it because these are children's toys, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's and- awesome to have such a creative mind that you're able to weave a very good and intricate story like Bob right. did. And the art is coming around too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the art in this was pretty decent in this one, definitely. But Pat, who had the touch? That's the question. Who had the touch? Well, I'm going to take the obvious one. Is Prime in this for me? He had the touch. He's leadership shown through. And he did feel bad for losing skids. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, yeah, we got it. We got what we needed. And, you know, we won the, the battle and, you know, the, we'll win the war. But I, I think he really felt in his heart um, that... Losing skids was uh, something that, you know, he's not going to get over too soon. Yeah, I got you. I had to choose who had the touch. Then since he's wide open and he quite literally is the elephant in the room because yes. he did <laughs> is what I'm getting at here. Omega Supreme absolutely kicked butt. <laughs> I, valid choice. I mean, it was like, I mean, he shocked him with the tracks, gave him time to merge into the robots. I mean, just blasting fools left and right. Blam, blam, blam. It was some of that robot on robot action that Pat liked so much. Mm-hmm. So I was a big fan of him coming in, kicking butt. He was the guardian of the art and he absolutely did his job. We didn't even see Ratchet after the first couple of pages because it's like Omega Supreme's like, nah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> so yeah cool so if we talked about the touch then someone had to be out of touch right we'll talk about the character that was the worst in the book and they should be forced to run into electrified tracks or possibly ambushed by a proton missile in a segment called less than meets the eye but I have 
we'll go back to Pat. I'm going to go with the guy who owns the car. Jake Dalrymple. He's mine, too. <laughs> yeah, he's a... Come on, man. How many Lamborghinis you got, Jake? Yeah, explain. Why? Why is he Why is he less than meets the eye? I mean, is he less than meets the eye just because he has a Lamborghini? Well, I, because he thinks he's all that, but then he's not because then he's, he thought it was all cool and all that. And then finally he gets down to it. He's like, oh, well, I'll just... Uh, there's a warranty. I'll uh, see if I can get it taken care of now. And mm. What is it with humans in this universe? And they're, we're on the road! And I'm like, okay, I'm going to chase me some robots! Also, he doesn't even have the doors on right for a Lamborghini of that model. You're right. They're not the gull wing. Those, those should go, they should be a gull wing. I'm pretty sure. I'm not a, I'm not a car guy, so I, I can't say that you're right or wrong on this. That, yeah, I can't remember the model of that. It's not a Diablo, but... It's time to watch my top gear again. I am 95% certain that this particular model, as depicted, had gull wing doors. All right. So, if I had to pick who was less than meets the eye, we got some candidates. And I guess it depends on what type of leader that you want to be. Now, if I had to choose between someone who sat there and did absolutely nothing and wound up giving up secrets and somebody who was just aggressive with their action, I'm probably going to think that the person who was less than meets the eye was the impulsive one who put his people in danger. And so with that, I'm going to say Megatron was. Less yeah. than the eye. I understand that. I mean, he did the, he did the Decepticon thing. He, he is the Decepticon. Never forget it. But it just wasn't smart. Like, as soon as Omega Supreme started blasting fools, they probably should have left. And he was like, nah, mm-mm. I want some action. I want this smoke. And he got it. He got all the smoke and... As much as the robot can get it, he got smoke inhalation. So <laughs> let's not mix bones. Omega Supreme, if that fight would have continued, would have destroyed Megatron. That is correct. I do think Megatron is the type of guy that is going to, you know what? I don't care. I'll lose these guys. I'll get more, or I know where there's more. So these guys, you know, they're going to do my work for me. You're right. He is, but, but to he lose was- all your seekers. And three of your tapes. And he, would, he wouldn't consider himself a part of that equation, that's for sure. No, no, definitely no. He's going to let them go. And then once once they were all gone and taken down, he's like, okay, I got to get out of here now. Yeah. And, yeah. He <laughs> and, all- and on my way back, it's like, as long as I can outrun you or whatever, I'm all right. And yeah. then he'll be like, crap, I can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I- I'm not sure why Laserbeak oh, had to my walkabout again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Laserbeak had to take him. We all know right. Megatron can fly. Or was Megatron carrying Laserbeak? Was he that could be true. lifting him up? And Megatron could just be flying with him on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He'd just be jumping and super high. That- that's how it would happen in my Transformers. So- but thankfully, it's, it's not mine. All right, let's talk about the ratings for the book. One to ten to the audience, one's the lowest, ten's the highest, and we're getting into it. And let's start with John this time. What would you rate Transformers 19? You know, Delvin, your uh, discussion framing it in a, in a um, comparison of leaders and leadership styles um, actually amped it up two full points for me. Wow. So, so I'm going to give this a ten because I'm Ooh. in a go. And... This was a good issue. It, this would have been a great one to pick up if you like to see robots on robot action, as Pat was talking about last, last issue. You've mm-hmm. got it. You do get a great deconstruction of their different leadership styles. 
Um, it's a cool plan out, outlanded. You get one teaser screen with our teaser panel, which is just reprinted from the one before of all of the Autobots from 18, who hopefully we'll get to see soon. So, yeah, this is great. And it ends with um, a cliffhanger of Skids lying there, and we'll find out what happens to him next issue. That's awesome, John. Pat, what would you write the book? Um, like John, I was really thankful that you went that route with your synopsis to put it in that way because I was starting to feel like this one's somewhat of a filler, just somewhat like you said, hey, we got to introduce this guy. Let's have some big action going on. Um, you had somewhat of the plan of Prime's overall bigger plan going on here. So looking at it from the leadership kind of scope, uh, spotlights on each of them, in a way like that, and and throwing in uh, the Dinobot one, I was wasn't even really thinking about that one, so that's really interesting as well too. Mm-hmm. I am gonna bump this up to I'm gonna go with an, an eight because I really think that that underlying leadership look at it is what really bumped me up as well too. Okay, how about you? The potential in this book was off the charts. Definitely wasn't filler, Pat, and. I'm so glad, like I mentioned, that you brought up the Transformers, because even though I centered my synopsis around Megatron and Optimus and Shockwave, there was also Grimlock, who is leader of the Dinobots. So, yeah, this is a good book. I like my leader stuff. I like the study in leaders and how none of them were perfect. All of them had a flaw in their plan one way or the other. Yeah. But the core characters of who they were stood out at the end. And that's a tribute to Bob. And between that and uh, the artwork, uh, this is about this is premium stuff here. It really is. This is a nine for me. And you guys positivity actually bought mine up because I was thinking about seven or eight. The discussion that we had, it's very dense book. And it was a lot of good stuff that was going on. So, man. Yeah. There's probably stuff in here we still haven't really talked about or just overlooked. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah, there there probably was. And, and, you know, it's okay. You know, people get what they pay for, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I really think, yeah, having this discussion, being able to talk through it with you guys has really helped me understand this particular issue a lot more. That is what we are here for. We're going to teach you a little bit more about a particular Transformer that was featured in today's issue in John's segment called Transformer Spotlight. It is all yours, John. Thank you, Delvin. Well, to nobody's surprise, we're going with Omega Supreme today. As Maggie said, she likes that his name is basically means last best. (laughs) (laughs) That's line of defense. Yeah, yeah. That's a good observation. His allegiance is Autobot, and his function is Autobot Defense Base. We see that clearly today. Uh, His motto is, unyielding resolve has no conqueror. Yeah. Ultimate defensive force, great strength, even greater courage, serious, even grim, last line of Autobot defense. Protects the Ark and all else vital to his cause. As Robot can shatter a mountainside, lift 300,000 tons with clawed arm, destroy a 12-foot steel cube with plasma blaster arm. I'm assuming that's 12 foot on a side, so 144. Wow. That's a lot of uh, with plasma blaster arm has hard mo- has head mounted laser cannon can transform to laser cannon tank and launching pad with rocket rocket can achieve planetary orbit his strength is 10 his intelligence is 5 his speed is 3 
His endurance is 10. It's a rocket. His speed is 3, I guess. It's robot form. His endurance is 10. His rank is 7. His courage is 10. His firepower is 10. And his skill is 6. This is not a guy I'd want to go up against. Mm-mm. Uh, Mecha's got a bit of a complicated toy origin story. Um, the success of the initial Transformers line of toys in the U.S. had led Hasbro to look for other companies to license toy molds from. So along with Shockwave, Omega Supreme became the first non-Takara toys that were released as Transformers. His original form uh, was by a company called Toybox, uh, and he was Mechabot 1. Uh, that was sometime in the early 80s. Uh, that version differed widely in its colors, primarily using a dark gray plastic with some white track and red highlights. Uh, this version may have been so- sold by Toy Box in Japan, but n- as numerous knockoffs uh, veil and confuse its origin, so it's not even sure if this guy was originally from Toy Box. But anyway, eventually Takara got the rights back to him, and now they were able to release him. Hmm. But. He was later produced, possibly under license by Grandstand Toys under their Converters toy line as Omegatron, largely in the same colors. Omega Supreme's alternate form is divided into three distinct parts. It's a gray and yellow rocket launch base with a gray and cream track surrounding it, a gray and orange sci-fi rocket ship that can rest on its tail of three curved pods, and a gray, cream, and yellow motorized tank. When switched on and powered by two AA batteries, not included, the <laughs> tank roll along the ground in a straight line or follow the track around the rocket base while protecting Pat's house. Um, <laughs> and its small turret rotates and the gun barrel bobs up and down and blinks the light in its turret rear. And the central rocket base was a fairly simple arrangement. The rocket fit between two yellow hook pods that resembled service and boarding arms. The rocket itself had three curved pods to sit on with a small center thruster. The body of the rockets decorated in molded holes and other doodads. Uh, Omega Supreme's transformation was way more complex than the other uh, G1 toys of tie. It was really like putting a puzzle together. You had to figure out which thing hooked onto where, and it, it was a rather a lot of involved process. Uh, once the robot moved, if you turned on the motor, it drove two crankshaft drums, and his feet would move, so he would actually walk forward and would like crush the little robots mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Um, and then the light would blink in his face visor, and there were a bunch of stickers that you could put on, but the directions were pretty bad, so they didn't really know where to put them, so most people wound up having them stuck in different directions. There's a thing on that. Or so I heard. I never had one or knew anyone who did until years and years later. <laughs> but, Delvin, you got, you've got got one? Did you have, like, one of the original ones, or is it one of the new ones that... I believe I got an original one. Uh, early on in the Crusaders days... I it was a Chris, Chris Yeah, Chris it was a Crusader's miracle. I just I wasn't even pining for a toy or anything. I just happened to mention um, that I had never got a Omega Supreme, and uh, the rest of the guys uh, got me one. And I was like, man, that's 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 really sweet. And it's uh, on top of one of my comic book uh, uh, tombs that I have. I have the rest of my stuff with. I love having it. it. Was and yeah, even putting it together today, it was complex. It was like. Good grief. Is this right? Okay, I have it standing. Is it supposed to stand like this? Is it supposed to move? So, yeah, it's a complex toy. It is what I like about all the new ones. They are all, uh, rather than before, they would have a, they would take it from a vehicle and then they would say, let's see what kind of robot we can make out of that. The design now is, let's see how we can turn this robot into a vehicle. Yeah. So, like the Starscream, yeah. for example, is really, really sharp. I, I really want one 
the Earthrise version that turns into a jet, though. I have the Decepticon jet, one, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But this is not a spotlight on Starscream, nor will it be ever, because Starscream got vaporized. This <laughs> is Oh, no. I know, he's my favorite. But everybody knew who Omega Supreme was, and he was pretty great on the cartoon, where he acts the same way as he does here, and is equally as overpowered. You know, it's used relatively sparingly, probably for that reason. Uh, on the cartoon, as I said before, his rocket can fly them all the way to Cybertron and then transform back to rocket mode, despite the fact that he left his rocket launcher in the track and little thing you know, rolling around it, but hey, Soundwave carries a bunch of smaller robots inside of him, so who knows how any of this works. Yep. Also worth noting, um, he became the first example of the weirdness of one aspect of the 10-point tech spec scale is, because Optimus Prime has a scale of 10. You know, he was listed before, obviously, he was supposed to be the strongest of the initial ones, but now they have Omega Supreme, who is clearly far more powerful than Optimus Prime, but he has a strength and firepower of 10. So you just gotta kinda, you know, go with it. Actually, as it goes on, the tech specs wind up mattering less and less, and mostly just are, are throwing darts and, and things like that. Probably because of that too, in the IW comics and in some other ones, um, he's usually depicted as an ancient and mysterious entity who doesn't take a direct role into events until, he, until pressed, and then once pressed, you get basically this issue where he blows up a whole bunch of people. A whole bunch of people. That is Omega Supreme. Thanks, as always, to Anthony at TFU.info, as well as Transformerland.com for a bunch of the above. Time for a promo break. Let's go now. The Transformers will return after these messages. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2! Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel Podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back from the break, everybody. We have transmissions for you where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us. Finally, it's back. We really appreciate all the love and attention we get from the show. And uh, we will start talking about Transformers issue 17. And we'll talk about the social media like shares and retweets from... We will start it off with Aaron Head Moss. Then we will move on to Andrew Morris. Next up, Angelica Fetty Wolf. Ow. Bat. Like in what we do in the shadows. Bat. Bill J. Parker. Caleb Alexander McKenzie. Kelvin Lee Carpenter. Christopher Ouellette. Chuck oh. Rodriguez. Clinton Robinson. Clinton Robinson's podcast, Coffee and Comics. Danilo Dulay. The Dame Deborah Smith. 
Derek William Crab, he of the jacket. He is. Um, I've, I've seen the jacket. I've touched the jacket. <laughs> the jacket is all that. On, on Tuesdays on his podcast, Fan Holes. Uh, is that right? But they do Transformers Tuesdays. They talk Transformers about Tuesdays. Transformers. Yep. Oh, nice. Um, Dustin Stab. Dwayne Peterson. Eddie Weaving. Edwin McMichael. Fan Film Fridays. The aforementioned Fan Holes Podcast. Gene Hendricks. Jerry Green. Green Lantern HG. Huge fan. We like him. We do like him. I said we like all of these people, but we do like him. We do like him. And we like his alter ego, Hal Jordan. Uh-huh. Heck Ariola Jr. H-O-C-O-F. If it's an acronym and I don't know what it means, I'm sorry. Send us mail. Tell us <laughs> we will correct it. We also like the mail. Uh, Ivan Chudley. I think it's, sure I th- actually think it's one of Derek's. I think it's one of Derek's other thing. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm going to feel really dumb later. Well, I mean, dumber than I normally would feel later. Uh, something, uh, it's uh, something of comics on film. Right. We'll leave all of this in. <laughs> uh, Jamie McCormick. Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Jason Frazier. Jeffrey Fonzo. Keith Black. Ken Solo. Luke Ed. Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. And I believe this one is Maggie from Married with Comics. Uh, Matt Large. Mauricio Cafiero. Max Traver. Nerdman at Nerdrigan. Philip O. Nerdman oh. at Nerdrigan. You guys get it. Rick Heineken. Was it Heineken or Heineken? Some sort of comment. Uh, he has never corrected us for saying Heineken as like the beer. As long as we know how to pronounce the state he's from. Oregon. Oh, and I forgot to mention that, too. <laughs> yeah, you better quit trolling him. Might come and find you somewhere. Uh, Rolando Diaz. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Uh, Sean from the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. I'm going to be on this show uh, coming up on Friday. Or Scott, excuse me, Saturday. I got, I'm going to be on next month. Nice. On which one? Uh, Secret Wars and Beyond. I'm going to be talking about Secret Wars issue five. Secret Wars three issue five. Three. Cool. Mm-hmm. I got I, tomorrow. My task is finding it. <laughs> I got to find it because all the comics I collect in the last four or five years are all jumbled up. So I got to make some sense of them. Anyway, Steve Radke. Tim Price. Come on down. Bernard Jeffries. Vic Sage. I like that name. That sounds like it'd be a, like a wrestling name. I like it. It's either that or it's like a detective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be good, too. Zachary Carter. Man. Guys, those are some names. <laughs> yes, it is. And that's a, just been a short time since grabbing those names since the release of 17. Thank you, everybody. That's awesome. We really appreciate your love and support. Uh, we have a few Twitter comments to read. We'll be talking about Transformers Chronicles, episode 18. And uh, Pat, start us off. All right. I will take one from Green Lantern HG. And he says, great episode, guys. And Maggie is in it. And Pat's back. Yay! I'm happy, smiley face. But Delvin, mm, kind of like a <laughs> kind of weird, weird face. Uh, Unicron, a toy? It's going to cost like $800. Whoa. Yeah. It's been nicknamed the marriage breaker. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Because if you get it, it is very likely your spouse will divorce you. It's not a toy. It's a necessity. 
well, GL, I love you, but you got some different priorities when it comes to uh, <laughs> necessities when it comes to marriage. But yeah, uh, and just That's because eight hundred dollars, it doesn't mean it's not a toy. You know, the only difference between men and boys, price of the toys, all that. Wasn't that a song? It was something my mom used to say. That seems really familiar. Like one of those. Um, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, John. <laughs> From Ryan Daly. Great episode, everybody. Happy to hear Pat is alive and well, and just as happy to hear Maggie back. I hope all four of you remain constant with this show going forward. Unlike the Transformers, I don't want you to change. That was really clever, Ryan. You did a whole pun there. You know, different you know, change. Yeah, Transformers. I may. I haven't asked Maggie, but we may have to, to ask her at some point if she would be interested in that sort of thing. Maybe. Maybe. Let's see. Uh, we have... I will read uh, one more Twitter comment from Fan Film Friday's podcast that's on our network, uh, run by Clint Robinson. Go give it a listen, please. There have been a few different Unicron toys over the years, as well as Straxus, but for a much lower price in size. Yeah, I saw a Straxus toy, and it was cool. <laughs> Dark Hmm? It's called, the toy is called Dark Mount. Oh. I wonder if it's weird, if they have some weird licensing rights with the name. We have a few Facebook comments as well. Uh, Pat, give us one. I will take one from Christopher Wheelett. And he says, I love this cover, but but was sad that it's so cheaps out with the monochrome background. Such a far cry from the original oil paintings. John, what is he talking about? He's talking about that... Uh, Sour Apple, Laffy Taffy, or somewhat mythical fruit, you know, fruity Tootsie Roll. It was, yeah, with the background that was, had the Stargate or the, the two cities the space on either side. Yep. That color. He might have been looking at it in the reprint, uh, the IDW reprint book, because that one, yes, kitty. Uh, that one, for whatever reason, in, when it was transferred over, doesn't have the space bridge you know, part in the background. So all you're looking at in that is just Blaster and Strax is fighting in a solidly green background. Okay. Gotcha. So that, yeah, Maggie, when she first saw it was about to rate it a four because it looks terrible. Then she's like, Oh wait, that gotcha. Okay. Uh, Max Traver says, nice. I am reading the new transformers 84 mini and I could not recall if Straxus existed in the classic comics or if he was being inserted into this new series at, as a, Ret Septicon. That's really cute. <laughs> uh, thanks for the comment, Max. So apparently in the... Yeah, I was talking to you about that before in a, a couple episodes ago. That uh, Simon Furman is doing a Transformers 84 miniseries. I gotta so, sub that. I want to. I want to sub it. Go ahead. You read the whole thing and tell me if I should. I, I didn't like the issue zero very much because I didn't like the implication, so I was going to wait for somebody else to read it and tell me if I should. So. Okay, I'll do that. I'll be your Huckleberry. All right. Um, there are three more comments. Uh, one was from Derek William Crabb, just thanking us for the trailer shout-out. One was from Greg Holcomb, who was saying, I would assume that uh, Gerald Way read that comic from 1988, but for our count on a musical reference to a song that won't be get written for another 15 years, he's talking about My Chemical Romance. All right. Yes, I looked it up. I was like, who is Gerald Way? Looked it up. Lead singer, My Chemical Romance. And last, but certainly not least, Jamie McCormick says, my favorite American issue. Talk about inspiring. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Comments from Facebook, comments from Twitter. And as we've said, if you leave us a comment, 
on if you email us, it'll definitely get read. If you go to Transformers Chronicles on iTunes and you leave us a comment there, it absolutely will be read. And please uh, leave us a five star rating as well, because we will love you forever. We'll send Pat to your house to give you a hug. Mm-hmm. He's a hugger. If we happen to miss any other comments and actually we did not. But if we did, we do apologize. Uh, it's a good problem to have, but we absolutely do not want to forget to recognize anyone. Ping us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We will correct it next issue. I'm certainly pleased as punch that we have transmissions back because yeah, yeah, I like saying, I like saying thanks and being thankful for the people who decide to take any of their time and listen to our stuff. I'm truly grateful. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for taking the time to download and give it a listen. And that is the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 20 and a showdown is a common. If you would like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, most podcatchers to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon, Longbox Crusade will get you to us. We have a channel on YouTube called Do a Livestream that we uh, do once a month, every second Sunday. We're going to be adding a little bit more content from uh, old stuff that we have given out to the our patrons. Uh, yeah, by all means, come by, give us a sub. We would love to have you. Uh, we like to have fun. You can email us as well at contact at longboxcrusade.com. I'd also like to give a special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. We appreciate your love and support. If you would like to join our Crusaders Club, membership only starts at membership starts at only one dollar a month. And we work hard to earn your buck. We put out shows and shows and shows and original content, and we love doing it. Last thing, a shout out to our sponsor, Omaha Bound Entertainment, who does hard binding uh, for those special comic books in your collection, custom designing. Uh, every cover, so every single hardcover they design is unique, as well as selling special trade collections of hard-to-find comic. All of this is available on their website, which is omahabound.com. I've talked a lot. Pat, please tell us where you can be found on social media. Well, Delvin, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. John? Uh, check out Married with Comics, a podcast where my wife Maggie and I cover a bunch of nerd-related things, occasionally comics. Along with that, we do a show called The Rod Pod, where we cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. We'll find any of those by pointing your podcatcher to Married with Comics. Find it anywhere that you found this one. Uh, or you can hit me up on Twitter. I am at MWC underscore podcast. And my wife is at Maggie and the rain. There is no I in in. Pat, I'm waiting for you to sing. In rain. Oh, you know what? I'm also going to sing this. I'm going to take my transformer to the old Stargate road. I'm going <laughs> to ride to the can't no more. You see, the cowboy routine really is going to work well next issue. You Just you wait and see. I, I know. That's a showdown. I, I know it's coming. It is. A showdown is a coming, y'all. Absolutely. Watch the uh, Gary Cooper movie before next month. And I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. See y'all next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings to all are one. To all are one. To all are one.
streets Break the rules Take the heat You're nobody's fool You're at your best When the going gets rough You've been put on a test But it's never enough You got the touch You got the power Breaking loose, you'll be right in the eye of the storm. You got the heart, you got the motion. You know that when things get too tough, you got the touch. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. You know just what it takes, you're a fighter.